Hi, I'm Nick Tumbalides, Executive Director of U.S. Term Limits. Welcome to the No Uncertain Terms podcast for October 8th, 2018. Your sanctuary for partisan politics. Senate hearings on Judge Brett Kavanaugh have captured the nation's attention. Senators from both parties have maximized their microphone time. There's no doubt about that. Politicians in Washington are growing fat and happy as our country grows more divided. Isn't there something wrong with this picture? Shouldn't we feel proud of our leaders when they represent us instead of embarrassed? On this episode, we'll analyze the hearing and update you on some citizen term limits activism going on in Texas. You will not believe what the politicians are up to in Lone Star State. I'm joined by U.S. Term Limits Grassroots Director Austin Seckel. Austin, how are you? I'm doing very well, sir. How are you doing today? Doing good. We have a very, very hot topic today, and that is the Supreme Court hearings of Judge Brett Kavanaugh. Now, I don't know whether you're a Republican, Democrat, doesn't matter. Everyone I talked to who listened to these hearings had one piece of crucial feedback, and that was, we need term limits for members of Congress. Yeah, I mean, it's 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 past time, especially you want to look at the people who are, you know, uh, the Senate Judiciary Committee members themselves. Uh, Patrick Lee, he's a ranking member. Um, you know, this is the vacancy of Anthony Kennedy's seat on the Supreme Court. And, you know, he came into the Supreme Court in the late 80s. Lee's been in office since 75. So he's overseen multiple Supreme Court justices 10 years come and go, you know, as a state, as a, a U.S. senator. Right. Yeah, actually five of them. That was one thing um, Senator Leahy bragged about in the hearing. He said, like, well, I've been on this committee for 44 years. <laughs> well, most people in this country don't view that as a positive thing. And you were right. There have actually been five Supreme Court judges who have entered the court and retired during Patrick Leahy's tenure. Of course, he was elected in 1974, right after the resignation of President Nixon, of all people. That's why some have called Patrick Leahy a Watergate baby. And there have been five judges who've entered and left entered the court and retired since then. Judge Stevens, Justice O'Connor, Scalia, uh, Justice Kennedy, and of course Justice Souter. I mean, do we need rotation in office or what? We we do. Um, I think that you can clearly see that the entire hearing process is just a, a partisan circus that is just one side versus the other. There was a poll released recently that just showed people's support on the the nomination of Brett Kavanaugh. Um, his opinion has remained the same prior to before and after the hearings because their people's minds have been made up based off their political affiliation about whether he should uh, serve or not before and after, you know, uh, before the, the hearings have ever even taken place. So the Judiciary Committee members are just making this into a circus. Well, a lot of people probably don't agree on Kavanaugh, and they may never agree. Republicans and Democrats yeah. won't agree. Um, but I feel like the hearings, in a way, all united us behind term limits. I like to say oh, yeah. that every congressional hearing is basically a free commercial for term limits. We, we almost need to report these hearings as donations to our organization here because they are so valuable. Uh, for the movement. It just seems like monkeys throwing feces at each other. We don't feel like we've learned anything more at the end of the day than we knew uh, at the beginning of the day. And no matter what side you're on, a lot of people agree with that. You know, um, at the beginning of the hearing, uh, John Favreau, who's uh, President Obama's chief speechwriter, actually tweeted that Chuck Grassley kicked off the hearing by making a great case for term limits. <laughs> but in all seriousness, I mean, if we had term limits for the Senate, 
those are the people who um, confirm the appointment. So if we had um, regular citizen representation, we'd have regular people trying to run these hearings as opposed to self-interested careerists. Yeah. And if you followed the hearings, at least from my perspective, it looked like the younger senators who had a little bit more energy, they were a little bit more invested yeah. in, in the real substance of, yes. of the accusations and the real substance of Judge Kavanaugh's record, whereas the older ones were kind of just on a partisan warpath. Roger Pallone is the Vice President for Legal Affairs at the Cato Institute in Washington, D.C. In this excerpt, Pallone shares some nuts and bolts about term limits with Virginia Prescott on Civics 101, an educational podcast sponsored by New Hampshire Public Radio. There have been some claims that term limits do, however, create more competitive elections. Oh, absolutely, because it opens up more offices. Now, here's an interesting uh, sidebar I'll, I'll give you. The opponents included the uh, League of Women Voters, and yet there were other uh, women's organizations that pointed out that if you're going to get more women in Congress, you're going to have to have more open seats because incumbents win 16 to 1. And so incumbency was the greatest impediment to having more women in the legislature. Here's a little history that, that, that is important to note. Back in the 19th century, we didn't have a great push um, for this because it was understood that you go to Congress and you serve just a brief time and you go back out. Most, most members of the House in the 19th century served only one or at most two terms. Um, the idea of term limits includes the idea that you want to be close to the people you represent. And the longer you're there, the longer you're in the Washington cocoon, so to speak, the more remote you are from your constituents and the more out of tune you are from what their real interests are. To hear the entire episode, check out episode 25 at www.civics101podcast.org. What else is in the news, Austin? Uh, Arlington, Texas. Looks like it's a mess down there. You know, they've been fighting for term limits for their members of city council and, and mayor, I believe, as well, for quite a few months. They had got enough petitions signed to from citizens to put this measure on the ballot. And a couple of weeks ago, we reported on this that the, the city council also tried to push another me uh, measure for term limits, except they're for longer terms. They weren't going to be applied retroactively, and it was actually tossed off the ballot. And now the politicians on the city council are so frustrated that they're not getting their way. Instead of just accepting the the inevitable reform, now they're trying to uh, investigate who 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 were the actual people who signed the petition and for what reason. They're trying to have the the people who started the citizen petition uh, submit their all the information that they received on these petitions in hopes that the, the city council members who are apparently more ethical than the people um, will need to determine you know, why and who exactly signed this petition. It's just absurd. I mean, what other reason they, the, the citizens who are heading this clearly wanted to establish term limits? I mean, this is the purpose of the petition and for the city council members to 
think that this was, you know, made for some other reason that was being misleading is just like, absolutely. (laughs) Why else would they do this? Why else would they have this? You've got an effort led down there by this guy I really like. His name's Zach Maxwell. He's a young gun. He's a citizen activist. And here's what he's realized. He said, our city council is corrupt. Our city council's no longer serving the people. They're all about self-interest rather than the public interest. And by the way, Arlington is a big city. Is a monumental city in, in Texas. Just in, it's in the Dallas metro area. Yeah. It's where the Texas Rangers play. I think the Cowboys Stadium uh, might also be there. So it's a very it's a very big and important city uh, to Texas and to their economy. And what you've seen is this this youth activist. This young guy has come out. He has led a campaign. He has gone door to door. He has put his feet to the pavement and collected eleven thousand signatures along with his volunteers, to put this on the ballot. And the city, the members of the city council have done nothing but obstruct him every step of the way. First first thing they tried to do was put, like you mentioned, yeah. uh, their competing, phony, long-term limit on the ballot, uh, which would have let all the council members serve for another nine years. I mean, what use is that? Imagine if both of them passed, too, if both the measures passed. <laughs> <laughs> well, we know, we, know, we know the good one would pass with a higher percentage yeah. of the vote. So that one would be the binding law. Great thing about Maxwell's term limits petition is that it throws the city council out in a very short amount of time. It's fully retroactive. So in one to two years, you get to drain the local swamp and get rid of these corrupt career politicians. Sounds good to me. Hey, amen to that. It's great. But the city is basically like bringing George Orwell out of the grave here to try to fight him on this. Here's what they're doing. They have sent an army of attorneys at taxpayer expense to file 145 different demands against Maxwell and against the term limits petitioners in order to get term limits off the ballot. And and their demands are outrageous. No one can possibly comply with this. They're asking that Maxwell provide all the records of every contact he has made with citizens who signed the petition. Yeah, that is every not, single one. That's not, <laughs> is that even possible? That's not even possible. Imagine going up to a guy on a street corner and just saying, hey, you know, if you live in this city, we'd love to have your support. You sign up here and, it, you know, uh, based off we reach a certain threshold of signatures, yours will be included to put this measure on the ballot for term limits. You know, just a random guy in the corner. And now all of a sudden we need to go back and second guess, you know, who is a stranger? How is one person expected to know every single person who signed the, the petition. What Maxwell is trying to do is he's trying to spark a movement in Texas of citizen government that's going to spread like wildfire. If this succeeds, maybe the next step is you go to the Texas state legislature and you get them to call for term limits on Congress. I mean, the politicians in Arlington know the implications of this are huge if it passes, and that's why they're working so hard to stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. Stop it. <laughs> I'm Stacey Selleck. As digital director for U.S. Term Limits, I've got my ear to the ground on social media to see what everyone is saying about term limits. While for most, this is a no-brainer issue, nearly each day people ask how we can get term limits on a Congress when the politicians will never vote themselves off the gravy train. The truth of the matter is, we don't need the permission of Congress. We're not delusional. We know the turkeys won't vote for Thanksgiving, at least not unless they think they can sweeten the pot and give themselves a better deal. 
I know many of our supporters just want a national vote on the issue, but the Supreme Court took up the term limits on Congress issue and decided it must be an amendment to the Constitution, just as the President has. The good news is that we can bypass Congress completely by going through the states. You see, the Constitution itself, in Article 5, provides two methods for proposing amendments. One way is through Congress. The other way is through the states. Once 34 pass a resolution for a proposal convention through their own state legislatures, the National Assembly must be called. So no, we don't need Congress. But we do need our state lawmakers to take up the torch and support this very important issue. It is precisely for this reason, when Congress fails to act, that it's the obligation of the states to take on the mantle. So what happens at the convention? The Article 5 convention is a forum for a national discussion. All the states will be invited to send commissioners to deliberate what the term limits amendment will look like. They hear from experts. Statisticians, academics, and governmental consultants alike will have the opportunity to provide input. After that, the terms of the amendment will be hashed out and agreed upon, or not. If a term limits amendment is approved, the proposal will go to the next step in the process, where it must be ratified by 38 states to become part of the Constitution. This national effort is no easy task. While 82% of the people across all parties and demographics want this, many in the DC swamp do not. This is why we need to make our case to the state lawmakers. And what better time than election season? We are making significant progress. If you feel passionate about putting an end to the dysfunction in DC, sign our petition at termlimits.com. Your state lawmakers will listen to you much more readily than they will to us. Your actions are powerful, but the steps you take are easy. Just tell your state rep you want term limits on Congress, by phone, by email, or even in person and be ready to answer our calls to action when the resolution is moving through your state legislature. The more of you who take action, the sooner we'll get this done. Remember, sign the petition at termlimits.com and thank you for your support. Jim Coxworth is mad as hell and he's not gonna take it anymore. Coxworth is a businessman who grew up in Illinois, went to school, and raised his family there. This year, he launched an organization called Illinois Citizen Uprising because, quote, I've grown tired and angry at how our state government is being literally destroyed by our corrupt, self-serving politicians who have brought this state to the brink of financial ruin. On October 11th, Coxworth will start walking from Chicago to Springfield, the capital, to draw attention to his campaign to impose eight-year tournaments on the state legislature and create an independent commission to draw non-gerrymandered districts. Today, we'll talk to him about the effort. How you doing, Jim? I'm doing well. Well, great. Thanks for being on the program with us. Um, 
I've been reviewing this uh, 2018 Illinois Issues Survey that was just published by the Center for State Policy and Leadership at the University of Illinois. Wow, Illinois citizens are not happy. Um, the survey reports that 53% of those surveyed considered leaving the state in the past year, and that those are, are the younger ones are the most likely to say this. And uh, the number one reason they cite is government, um, either high taxes or state politics. Is it really that bad? Oh, I think it's that bad. I think the average citizen in Illinois today feels like they're uh, the game's rigged. Um, they can't win. They can't get anything done. Everything's being blocked by the politicians. So instead of the system working for the voters, it just works for the entrenched politicians. Matter of fact, right. I think 60, 65 percent of the uh, all statewide races are now unopposed. That's right. Yep, there's hardly even elections being held there. And there was a study uh, done, it's a little bit outdated now, but I, things have not really changed, um, that looked at a decade of politics in Illinois, I think ending in about 2005 maybe. But in any case, it showed that um, not only are there few elections taking place, but of those elections being held, the um, the they're so lopsided. There, they were In this study, there were no races that were decided by less than 25%. Crazy. So people must love their politicians there is what I'd have to assume, right? Well, if we love our politicians, <laughs> they've, uh, they've delivered super high taxes. They can't pay their bills. They have deficits, and they've got pension. Uh, they've got looming pension de debts that I don't see how they'll ever pay them. So I guess right. <laughs> the politicians love the politicians, but I don't think the voters really do. No, they don't. And I think you've nailed the two, uh, the two main issues. Um, how did you go about choosing term limits and um, – and uh, fair, uh, fairly drawn districts as your primary targets for your campaign? You know, for years I was pretty busy running my own businesses. I always uh, took uh, note of politics and what was going on, and I noticed that things never changed. And as I, as I sold my last business about three years ago, I started looking a little heavier, and I was like, every time people try and do things within the system, the way it's set up in Illinois, nothing seems to get done. So. My thought was the only way we really can change things and put the power back in the voters' hands is to change the uh, rules of engagement of the system. So, you know, I think the epitome of what's wrong in Illinois today is Michael Madigan. And I think he's right. been there for over 40 years, and he's been Speaker of the House for 35, and he runs a Democratic machine. And, and pretty much whether That's you're incredible. Republican or Democrat, that guy runs the state, not the governor. So we need to take power away from these entrenched politicians, and I think term limits is the only thing I can see that will will do that and bring competition into the system and also new blood. Right. Uh, voters are with you on this, of course. You know this. Um, according to that same survey I just cited, 80% uh, of voters, and this is brand new, uh, support state term limits, and only 14% oppose them. Well, you know, I, I think even, you know, this is supposed to be a free country, and the uh, legislature is supposed to serve the people, and I can't understand how 80% of the people want term limits and they never make it to the ballot. That's a mm -hmm. problem. Mm -hmm. Now, there's been efforts to put term limits on the ballot. Illinois is a citizens' initiative state, which, in theory, um, does give citizens some opportunity to go around the corrupt legislature and, and uh, take action themselves. Why has that not worked? You know, I, I'm not a politician. I'm not totally schooled in what goes on, but it seems like whenever those things come up, um, Madigan finds a way to either find a technicality 
or I think one, uh, I think Rounder even got a whole bunch of signatures for term limits, and it made it all the way oh, to the sure. Supreme Court, only to find that the judges, who are kind of beholden to Madigan again, uh, quashed it for some technicality. Well, that's exactly what happened, um, and it happened twice. Um, the first time back in 1994 with um, uh, Pat Quinn, actually, uh, spearheaded the effort in 94, before he was governor, Democratic governor, and uh, he brought the measure collected the signatures, and the Supreme Court shot it down. And when Rauner came back and tried to do it again in 2014, uh, he had the first decision to look at in order to craft a, a new term limits proposal that would meet the objections of the court the first time. But the court came up with new objections and got shot down again. So we have two citizens' efforts shot down. And this is how we usually get term limits on state legislatures, by the way. So how is it that your effort is going to be successful, and how is it different than what's already been tried? You know, I don't know whether it's going to be successful or not, but there's an awful lot of people like me. I, like I said, I've had my whole career here. I've gotten all the benefits of the state of Illinois, and, and I want to give back a little bit. And if you can't make it in the system, I think you got to try and make it without the system. So this is more of a populist grass movement, grassroots movement to get people upset and excited and demand term limits where they got to go outside their legislator's office or they meet me in all the towns I'm walking through and then meet me down in, in Springfield and let all these uh, politicians know that we're not going to not have term limits. We've got to have a change. We've got to have structural change. And I, I would rather fight this thing and, and, and really excite the voters instead of packing my bags and leaving. Yes. Well, that's great. And so you're, the effort then is to, or the goal is to put pressure on state legislators to act. We know the voters are for it. Okay. Correct. Well, we got to get the voters out. They can't be sleepy. They can't be quiet. They can't. Right. Know, they, they've got to start getting a little excited about this and demand change. This is Scott Tillman, the National Field Director with U.S. Term Limits. Every election cycle, we do a series of pledges. One pledge we do is to state legislators, people running for state house and state senate. This pledge is asking them to support an Article 5 resolution to help us get term limits on Congress. The pledge reads, I pledge that as a member of the state legislature, I will co-sponsor and vote for the resolution applying for an Article 5 convention for the sole purpose of enacting term limits on Congress. We've had a very good year with these pledges this year, and we've had 289 legislative candidates sign the pledge. Of those 289, 193 are going to be in their races going into the general election this November. So we have 193 state House and state Senate legislators who have signed the Article 5 Pledge to Support Term Limits on Congress. So tell us about your walk, and uh, why are you doing this? Well, I think my walk is kind of a, a crazy thing to do, but I think it shows the <laughs> commitment of one guy who's, like I said, I've had all the benefits of Illinois, and, and I think it's a great state. There's only two things I think that are rough about Illinois, the weather in the winter and uh, our government. So why should we put up with government like that? I, I want to just, you know, I'm sick of all the politicians bending the truth and getting on TV and saying they're voting for term limits and all that crap that they do only to wink, wink, nod, nod, and get them killed in committee. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to walk, and I'm going to hopefully get some social media, and I'm going to get some attention, and I'm going to walk all the way to Springfield and uh, just keep talking about the same points, that we've got to take back our state. We've got to change the system with which it runs. Uh, we've got a secondary okay. point, too, of non-gerrymandering. So those are the two things that I think would really change the game and put the, uh, the, the power back in the voters. 
That's great. How far is it from Chicago to Springfield? From my house, it's 187 miles. So I will start on okay. the 11th of October, and I think I get down there on the 22nd. I think our final destination will be at uh, Lincoln's Tomb. Okay. And so as you walk through the various towns along, uh, I guess you're taking Route 66? Well, we, yeah, from Chicago, we'll go straight uh, south till we hit Route 66, and then we're going to mm -hmm. take that all the way down, kind of a historic route. Um, so we're going to do that and hit all the small towns, go through Bloomington, Normal, and then uh, through Lincoln and on to Springfield. Okay. And as you go through these small towns, um, if uh, people come out to see you and ask you what you're doing um, and want to be involved, uh, what are you going to tell them? What should, what should people do in order to, to uh, be part of this movement? Well, we've got, a, we've got a website where we're getting politicians to try and sign up on a questionnaire. We've sent them out that they support term limits. So we're going to talk to them about supporting politicians that support term limits and those that don't to go to their offices and demand change. Call them, write them, however they can email them, however they can get a hold of them. And if we get enough support and enough people, uh, maybe they'll meet us all down in Springfield and we'll, uh, we'll raise a little ruckus. <laughs> Do you have a uh, uh, timetable on how long you may you uh, might may take to to uh, successfully get this on the ballot? You know, I don't. Like I said, I'm not a politician. This is more of a grassroots populist effort. Okay. I've I've certainly got people who advise me on this, but I I want to see if we can really excite the populace to demand change because I feel like we're a bunch of whipped dogs. You know, we're just. We're getting hammered here, and nobody likes it. And uh, like I said, how could 80% of the people want term limits, and we can't even get it on the ballot? Right. Okay, and you're right. It's not going to happen without people getting fired up, and that's what you're up to. Great. Exactly. Well, I, and you know, uh, politicians do all the messaging, the lying, the you know, the, 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 it's just baloney. They don't want term limits. They're scared to death of them. Right. So if someone wants to get involved in your movement, how will they get in touch with you? What should they do? Go to our website, IllinoisCitizenUprising.com, and there's sign-up right. sheets there, and uh, there's a phone number they can call. They can email us. We've got, we've got a couple of people working here that can do that, and they can even call me and talk to me on my walk. We'll be doing constant video and um, Facebook Live shots on the way down. Oh, great idea. Okay. Well, that sounds good. And when they contact you, you'll get back with uh, touch with them with, I guess, uh, um, action items to take so that you can act in concert and putting pressure on your legislators. Correct. Correct. Oh, man. Well, we wish any, you the best uh, of luck, any, Jim. Any, um, any help you can give us with your, your group, too, would be great. Well, we definitely want everybody, all the tournament supporters that we know around the country also, to know what you're doing. Um, because, one, it inspires people in other places to take similar action. So uh, we def def definitely is an important effort, and we appreciate everything, Jim. Very good. Well, thanks for having me on. Thank you very much. Thank you. Bye-bye. I want to delve into a little bit of term limits history here for our listeners. You know, you talk to... Uh, elected officials and critics of term limits, they make it sound like this movement just started in the 1990s, um, that we're late to the game. We're just a bunch of angry people with pitchforks and torches and all, all that jazz. But what they don't tell you is that term limits has a rich and storied history um, in democracy, going all the way back to Cincinnatus in ancient Rome and Aristotle uh, in ancient Greece, leading up to the present day. So I thought a cool segment that we could launch as part of this podcast is to focus on a historical quote about term limits. And this one is actually from former President Dwight Eisenhower. 
Eisenhower said this in 1965. He was talking to a reporter, and they asked him whether he thought uh, the length of a term should be longer for a member of the House. He said, yeah, it should, but Eisenhower also volunteered his opinion on term limits. The man uh, they called Ike said, if we had term limits on Congress, each member would spend less time keeping his eyes on the next election and more in centering them on the good of the nation. A more rapid turnover of the membership in both houses with its constant infusion of new blood would largely eliminate the career politician in Congress. And of course, Eisenhower was not the only president who supported term limits. Dating back to the very founding of our country, George Washington, the father of our country, supported term limits. He voluntarily left office after two terms, which established the eight-year precedent that we still have today that was added to our Constitution in 1951. John Adams supported term limits. Benjamin Franklin supported term limits. For presidents of more recent vintage, Truman supported it. George Bush, Barack Obama, Donald Trump all said that Congress should have some form of rotation so that no individual member or their ego becomes greater than the position to which they were elected to serve. Most historians who look back on him today say Eisenhower was one of the best presidents we ever had. He was actually the first president to serve after term limits were ratified into the Constitution. And he is a shining example of the need to elect not great politicians, but great Americans. And there's actually a gentleman from Massachusetts, uh, Dennis Crowell of Dalton, who wrote in the Berkshire Eagle paper up in Massachusetts there. A little letter to the editor. Here's a little clip. It's time for a change, and we the people must demand it. If allowed to continue, the partisan politics will destroy this country. The time for term limits has come. We're going to have a link for this little article in the show notes. Give uh, Dennis a shout-out. And uh, tell them thanks for writing it. Uh, we need more people who are willing to just write in their own home newspapers um, what they see in their testament and why we need term limits. So check that out in the show notes and appreciate your support, Dennis. Thanks for joining us again this week. It is about time Illinois saw a citizen uprising. The whole country, in fact. The strategy is in place. It's all a matter of getting our 80% majority mobilized. Well, this podcast is part of that effort. Please tell your friends about it. And if you haven't already, subscribe. You can use the podcast app on your iPhone or download Stitcher for your Android phone. Or go to iTunes and be sure to review us while you're there. The revolution isn't being televised. Fortunately, you have the No Uncertain Terms podcast. 